Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'll pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Kelly Sander from the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. Luke at the First Bank Studio in Laurel. Glad you're with us. Opening segment of the show sponsored again today, as it is every day, by our good friends at uh, Dickie's Barbecue. And what a place to call this weekend if you're going to tailgate at homecoming. They've got a perfect setup for you. They can uh, cater any event, whether large or small, not only homecoming, but uh, your church, your business, whatever. If you've got a special event, you want it catered, you want the food to be delicious, be sure you call Dickies. All right, Joyce McHenry is the original member, the original member of the Dixie Darlings. She's going to be on the show a little later. We're looking really forward to that conversation, but we're going to start our Tuesday as we do every week uh, with Lee Roberts, color analyst of the Golden Eagle Radio Network, of course, a former quarterback for the Golden Eagles, championship quarterback. And uh, Lee Roberts, uh, thanks for coming on. Speaking of quarterbacks, it's uh, kind of the flavor of the week. And uh, what we hear now is that Ty Keyes is injured for some undetermined amount of time. The newest quarterback for the Golden Eagles will be Jake. uh, I'm sorry, what is his name? Lang. There we go, Jake Jake Lang. Lang. So. Is that what you're hearing? And if so, uh, you know, what what do you think about the way this kid played when he got thrown in the fire the other night? All right, so before I answer your question, I'll just kind of go back to you not remembering his last name. <laughs> and that's just kind of the that's just kind of the way this has been. I mean, who who knew who Jake Lang was, right? I mean, you know, I only knew the name cuz I'd seen him at practice. I'm like, who's the guy wearing number 24 that's throwing a football? So, kind of <laughs> kind of interesting, but Anyway, side. I'll answer. I'll answer your question now. So Jake Lang, obviously a freshman, he's out of uh, Jackson Prep. Uh, a guy that I told somebody yesterday. He he reminds me a lot of myself. I mean, he's not your most athletic. He's not your biggest arm, but yet he makes good decisions and uh, you know puts puts the ball where it's supposed to be. And that's exactly what he did Saturday. And you know, so for a guy to go from way down on the depth chart, running the scout team to being the backup quarterback, putting in in a pressure situation the second series of the game, he really responded well, taking the team down for a touchdown score his first series. And, you know, I know he'd love to have back his three interceptions. We all would. But uh, for a guy to go out and throw for 300 yards for his first uh, appearance, I was I was pleased on what Jake Lang was able to do. Well, I tend to agree, and I'll tell you something that really sort of surprised me, but it made me think the coaches uh, must have had a lot of confidence in him is how much they threw the ball when he came in. Yeah, no, I totally agree. You know, he's he's a guy, I mean, obviously he's not going to hurt you with his legs, but just, you know, the underneath stuff, he was very, very good. I think he was either perfect or 7 of 8 on his first drive. And I think if you're Coach Hall and you see that, you're like, hey, this is a guy that's going to – he's going to move the offense and we're going to do it throwing the football. And uh, his accuracy was, was really good. Well, I mean, uh, a couple interceptions down the middle of the field, I know just a, a little different here or a little different there and could have really been the outcome of a big play or not. But 
um, yeah, we, we threw the ball well, and I think we'll continue to as well. But put in perspective, as a former quarterback yourself, how difficult a situation this kid was put in. You know, I'm, I'm thinking it is a super difficult situation. And I even asked him post-game, I said, all right, Jake, be honest with me. What were your emotions like? And I thought I'd hear him say something like, man, I was nervous, I was scared, I was a little anxious. But you know what he answered? He said, I'm ready. And now I'm like, you know what, that just speaks volume of this kid's character, his work ethic, and uh, what he's been able to do. And, yeah, he's turned coach's eyes. That's why he was the number two guy. Um, he's done what he's needed to. And But you're right, going in the second series, and actually I think Ty got hurt on the first play of the game. He finished the series, but then Jake Lang, it's, it's him the rest of the game. And uh, on the road, I mean, it wasn't what we would call a hostile environment. You know, last week, 101,000. Last uh, Saturday, it was, I don't know, they announced 16,000. But there were not uh, very many people in the stands. Um, but still, going in that situation, you know, a lot of pressure for that young man. So, Lee, with all due respect to Jake Lang, can you take your COVID year this year? <laughs> Are you available? You know, well, I think I think Kelly. What I would rather do, I'd rather sign up for one of those, you know, image and likeness deals rather than get my ear back. <laughs> there you go. Now, there's a. That's why this man was a quarterback. He's smart. He just wants the image and likeness deal. And, and in the post game press conferences, Lee, I sensed for the first time genuine frustration from Coach Hall. What is the primary source? of his frustration. Is it the fact that he's he, that he may just be realizing that right now he just doesn't have the complete arsenal to be able to win in this league? Where, where does the source of the frustration come from? Yeah, I think it's just a lot of different things. I mean, I think his expectations were, were very high for this team. Uh, he felt like, I, I knew when he came in, he said talent really wasn't the issue. This, these guys, you know, they work and they're talented. But I just think as we're getting deeper into the year after game number five, we're realizing, hey, we're having to play a lot of freshmen. And and for that to happen, a lot of times, you know, freshmen just aren't always ready. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to do things wrong. And so I think that's probably the biggest thing is he just he felt like we were going to be better than what we are. Um, you know, he did tell me after after the game Saturday, we got off the plane and he called me over to him and, he said, Lee, I've watched the film. He said, I feel like we're getting really, really close. You know, obviously wins and losses are the ultimate measure of uh, success. But what he sees as a coach is a team that is getting better. We're just not able to put those games together and get those wins that we need. You know, one win after five games is it, tough to swallow. But, it, you know, if for some reason we can come in this weekend and play well and uh, maybe shock a UTEP team. I think we just we need a break. We need something to go our way. We need some confidence. And uh, now that you've got a guy that is is leading an offense, and Jake Lane's going to have a full week of practice, you never know what can happen offensively for this team. Luke, Lee, last year it was uh, different head coaches. This year it's going to be different quarterbacks. Realistically. Because you felt like, you know, in, in some of the Bama game, the playbook opened up a little more uh, with, with Ty Keyes being really in his second start. With with Jake Lang, uh, this will be almost like a second start because he played every offensive series except the first one. Realistically, how much of the playbook, you know, can, can be opened? Because it seems as if Hall went, you know, a little more vertical uh, against uh, Rice than, than we had seen the, the previous two games. Was that personnel? Was that Lang? Was that playbook? What, what, what was your take on that? 
you know, I think it's one. He he felt what Jake was very comfortable doing. Um, and two, I think Brownlee was able to get open and do some things. And there was some connection between Jake Lang and Jake Lang and uh, Jason Brownlee. Obviously, we knew Brownlee was going to be a go-to target all year long. He was targeted um, nine or ten times on Saturday, had eight catches. I think coming into the game, only nine. And so when you have some success with a guy like that, you know he can get on top of the DBs. I'd go vertical as well. Unfortunately, we didn't connect on some of those. If we would have, could have been an outcome difference of the game. You know, but I think you're right. I mean, as he gets more and more comfortable in this offense, we'll open it up. I still expect Chandler Pittman to be a, a vital part in it as well, and uh, probably we'll see him a little bit more at the quarterback or wildcat position and see him in the backfield. Uh, they call him a super back, so he can run it, he can throw it, he can catch it. Uh, so I think he'll be uh, a part going forward, too. Didn't see him a whole lot on Saturday, so wasn't sure yeah. the rationale for that. But I do feel like this offense is moving in the right direction. Um, really, the the frustrating part, Jake was sacked five times. Some of that was you know on him. Some of that's offensive line. The offensive, the, the rushing stats look pretty bad, but when you take into consideration there were five sacks, Frank rushes for 84 yards, Still nowhere near what you know Will Hall wants to do on the ground. I mean, are we at a point in the season where the rushing attack the rest of the year isn't going to be what it's going to be, so we're going to be forced to throw the ball more? You know, I think we're going to continue to run it. This is a team that wants to run the football. You know, and if, if Frank Gore can rush for 85 and we eliminate some of those sacks, it does look better. Um, but, no, I think I think this is – you're going to see a balanced attack pretty much all year long. I don't think we're going to be a one-dimensional team, at least – I know that's not what we want to be, you know, and if we start kind of going that way, they're going to pigeonhole us as a one-dimensional team, and they're going to come at the quarterback. And uh, Jake's not a guy that really can scramble, but he can hurt you if he's standing on both feet for sure. All right, Lee, can you hang around uh, through the short break and uh, continue the conversation if you got time? Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're talking to Lee Roberts, color analyst for the Radio Network, of course, and former quarterback for the Golden Eagles. It's homecoming this weekend, and a surprising 4-1 and UTEP team come in. Kelly's still not convinced that they're good, even though they're 4-1, and but uh, we're going to get Lee's perspective of that, and I want to ask him, too, about all these rumors floating around about college football and uh, conference realignment and all of those things as we continue our conversation on the Eagle Hour with former quarterback Lee Roberts. Stay with us. Campus Bookmart will be hopping this weekend with it being homecoming. You need to go by there and check out their great selection of Southern Miss apparel. If you don't know, they're located on Hardy Street right across from the campus. You can also shop them online at campusbookmart.net. 
guarantee you, Miss Kathleen has the store stocked to the brims uh, with homecoming here this weekend. So make sure if you're in town uh, to see the Golden Eagles, you make a stop at Campus Book Mart and uh, tell them the guys from the Eagle Hour said hello. We're talking to Lee Roberts, color analyst for the Golden Eagle Radio Network, uh, former quarterback, of course, for Jeff Bowers, Golden Eagles. All right, Lee, so, uh, so uh, you know, the Rice thing is behind us, disappointing. I don't think anyone could have anticipated when they announced homecoming that UTEP would be 4-1 and one coming into the season, uh, coming into the game. So you've got UTEP and then you've got UAB. Uh, things have to get better pretty quick. Uh, this could be another challenging weekend for us. You know, I think right now every weekend is just going to be a challenge for the Golden Eagles. You know, regardless if we're winning or losing, that's the way you have to approach it. And, you know, if UTEP is living up to their 4-1 and one record, I really don't know. I don't know much about them right now. I know they're they're a well-coached team, and obviously they're they're winning some ball games, so they've got some confidence. Um, you know, they've been to Hattiesburg multiple times, so they know what the atmosphere will be like, and we need it to be loud. We need it to be tough to come in to play. Uh, hopefully the crowds will show up for homecoming and make it inside the stands and just enjoy the, the atmosphere there. But uh, this is this is a team, like I said, it's coming in with a lot of confidence, and Southern Miss is faced with another challenge. Yeah, but they, I mean, they've beaten, you look at their schedule, they've beaten the Catholic Sisters of the Poor. It doesn't matter who they've beaten, Kelly. The they've co- won four out of five games. The Korean hey, don't War in, vets. Don't insult, you know. Don't insult Bethune Cookman like that, Kelly. No, don't right. do it. I'm right. just saying they haven't, they haven't, they haven't played Alabama. You know, they haven't played Troy or South Al. They've played a bunch of scrubs so far. So I'm, all I'm saying is, is don't let the three and one record wow you too much. Four I mean, and one, I think. Are they four and one? Are they four? I think they're four and one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think I think they are four and one. Okay, so they beat New Mexico State too. Lee, you, right. you play who's on your schedule, right? Though, and if you win four out of five right. games, you're doing something right. And they beat Old Dominion in yeah, Conference USA. So I'm just saying, don't be low, you know, don't be scared of this this mighty UTEP force that comes in here this weekend. This is coming from a Cincinnati Bengal fan, Lee, who thinks that because they've won three games now, they're going to the Super Bowl. So, uh. well, I, and, and Lee, the inconsistency of the offensive line. I mean, we we all talked last week at this time about how we thought the, the offensive line looked pretty good against the number one team in the country. You yeah, know, then they didn't again. Yeah, and then and then against Rice. I mean, they give up two sacks against Alabama, but then five against Rice, and then they can't they can't develop a running game. If if there's a if there's an an SOS or an all-points bulletin that needs to be put out, it's for this offensive line. You know, and uh, they're, they're not playing like they need to be. Obviously, Coach Darvo is, you know, he's working on them right now. I know they worked on it at practice. Um, but again, I, and Jake Lang would tell you, too, he would take some of that as well. I mean, part of the sack situation is, you know, not getting the ball out of your hands, trying to dump it down to the receiver, Maybe he was eyeballing just a, a single. It wasn't getting to a second and third reads. You know, so there's a lot that, that does go on. So, I mean, we across the board do have to get better. Yeah, we're not running the football. We're not protecting the quarterback. Those are two keys. And we're we're not going to win many games if we can't do that. All right, Luke. I was uh, I was listening the other night, Lee, and, and a name that uh, we looked forward to last year when he came out of JUCO, and and uh, but this year was was injured, battling some stuff early on. But but Antoine Robinson, Shirty Robinson, uh, he made some really good catches, and he's another athletic guy out there. When you're talking about 
athletes on the field with Brownlee, you know, Pittman, Robinson, Bailey Brown, and and Gunter. I guess that's what's so frustrating about the quarterback position right now. And maybe we saw that more with Lang. I mean, the Eagles have weapons outside, but Robinson, particularly, I know you like him as a player. No, I do. I mean, Antoine Robinson is a a guy that you're right. Last year, we 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 knew he was going to be a impact player. Unfortunately, this year he hurt his hand. Kind of an interesting thing. The the football actually cut his skin under his glove, and so missed a missed a couple games there. But he did show Saturday that he can get open and he can make the difficult catches. Uh, another guy you didn't mention was Daquan Bailey Brown. He made another acrobatic catch. Um, so we we do have the weapons. We just we've got to get it to them. And I, I think Jake Lane, like I said, another week of practice under his belt. He's just going to get more and more comfortable. But as long as those guys are getting open, it'd be our job as quarterbacks to get it to them. All right, before we let you go, Lee, what thoughts do you want to share with the Golden Eagle Nation that may be tuned in this afternoon? And everybody, of course, is feeling a lot of frustration. What would be your message to them? Well, you know, they're obviously not feeling any frustration that the team is not. I mean, they're they're taking the ownership. Coach Hall's taking the ownership. You know, I've read a lot. I've read a lot of positive things as well. So just, uh, you know, keep keep the road going forward. Keep the support going on. You know, this team needs the, the the fans in the stands. And like I said, they need you loud. They need you to be there. Um, nothing like when you're down, when you're down one and four in a year and uh, look up and to see the stands, you know, partially filled. We, we need those stands filled to the brim and we need support and, you know, give this team a chance. I think uh, I think they've got the talent. they got the coaching staff to do things. It's, uh, it's going to click. And when it clicks, I think it'll be a, a ball rolling forward and be hard to stop. All right, Lee, we appreciate you as always. Uh, we look forward to getting your insight uh, next next Tuesday, and uh, we see how things turned out for homecoming. Thank you. Hey, appreciate you guys. All right, Lee Roberts, everybody, color analyst for the radio network, appears on the Eagle Hour every Tuesday. And, uh, gosh, I hate to keep saying this, guys. Uh, you know, we, we talked last week about how important it was to win that game at Rice. Kelly, you and I discussed that. You don't want to go one and four. I hate to beat a dead horse, but boy, they really need to win a game. They're going to beat UTEP. Okay, Saturday. I'm I mean, right. I, I, and and that, look, and I know you're saying, well, it's a Southern Miss show. We would expect you to say that. I wouldn't be saying that if they're playing UAB or UTSA, but they're going to beat UTEP. This, it's, I mean, in the bright sunshine, 83 degrees, it's supposed to be a beautiful day. No reason to not not come out and enjoy a homecoming win, and it, and it might be, it might be. One of just a couple more that they have a chance to win, but I think they're going to beat UTEP. Well, would it change your opinion if I told you the game was actually going to be at night because you said a bright, sunshiny day? Oh, yeah, but, Bob, us hardcores are there at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> starting with mimosas. So and that, it of, doesn't change your perspective, the fact they're actually playing after the sun well, gets well, my perspective will be your altered. Your perspective will be completely <laughs> altered, altered, yes, but yeah. I'm talking about the team. Oh, no, no. That, they're, they're going to do just fine, I think. All right, Luke, are you ready to make such a bold prediction? I just want them to, to, to not turn the ball over, and I, I want them to, to not have to put the defense in tough spots. That, that, that was one thing, you know, that, that I was wondering about from, from Lee is, you know, kind of a, an analysis of the defense. And, and I think, I think defensively, uh, you got to be pretty happy where this, where this team is. I mean, you go back to South Alabama, I mean, they, they should have scored less than 20 points. Pick six, not the defense's fault. Short field, certainly not the defense's fault. South Alabama, 20 points or less. Troy, 21 points. Forget uh, what happened against Bama. 
And really against Rice, you know, they give them the short field a couple times. So in all three of the losses other than Alabama, the defense has probably has, has given up about 17 to 20 points, probably even closer to 17 range. Like you should you should be able to win football games like that. And so, so some of the defensive uh, defensive problems have been just the, the positions the offense has put them in. So, again, Saturday, if you don't turn the ball over, you know, and you play solid defense, you might not have to do that much offensively. But um, going back, you know, yesterday I was, I, was, I was critical of the running game. I still am um, because it just seems like year three of us, you know, being able to, no matter who's in there, no matter what the philosophy is, we're still rushing, you know, for three yards or less. But when you when you take out the sacks, you know, we, we, we did rush for 106. There's still no excuse to allow the Rice defense to limit us to half of what they've been giving up all year. But – um, I feel a tad better, but you got to be able to do something. But now you know because of, you know, Lang's not the mobile quarterback that Tykes is, or, or even what what Trey Lowe was. So you you've got to push the field and go vertical in order to open up the running game. And I think Lang has shown the ability to do his side of that if he can just limit the interceptions. Yeah, the offensive side of the ball is the part of the boat that's taken on water. I mean, everybody everybody can see that. And I, I agree 100% with, with Luke's analysis that the defense, yeah, 17, you know, if you limit a team to 17 points, you ought to be in every, you ought to be in every game that you play. But, but when you overextend the defense and they're on the, on the field for 20 extra plays because of turnovers or uh, inability to move the ball when you're, when you're punting it, you know, eight or nine times a game, that doesn't, that's not a good equation either. So, the patchwork has got to be done quickly on the offensive side of the ball. All right, when we come back, we're going to have some fun. Uh, Joyce McHenry, and I, we'll get Kelly to tell us how he found this lady. As I understand it, Kelly, our next guest is the, the single original member of the Dixie Darlings, and basically the lady that created the Dixie Darlings. That is correct, Bob. She is 86 years old. Hey. Is yes. she going to scare me? Am I going to be emotionally traumatized? I mean, do I need to go get a safe space for this interview because she's the original Dixie Darling from whence comes all of the bad vibes? Actually, I just want to make sure, Bob, before – do, do I need to sign a, uh, some type of waiver? self-protection statement? <laughs> yeah, a waiver before I – because no. there's some people at Southern Miss, you know, and they, they can't handle this. Well, We're going to have the original Dixie Darling. Yeah, awesome. and, and actually, Luke, they were called the Dixie Maids. When they first started, we're going to learn a whole lot with this Looking forward to wonderful it. lady on the other side of the break as the Eagle Hour continues. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. They want to thank Lee Roberts for joining us. Uh, early part of the program. Good analysis on his part, as always. Lee's on the show every Tuesday. This segment is sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Our good buddies down right in the shadow of the rock with the best eight ninety five plate lunch anywhere in the Pine Belt. Uh, great entertainment uh, throughout the week. And, of course, the big game is always on the TV at 4th Street Bar and Grill. All right, we've been really excited about this. I'm going to let Kelly introduce this guest. He found this young lady, and uh, we have the original 
founding member of the Dixie Darlings. So take it away, Kelly. We do indeed, Bob. Joyce Semeca McHenry, now living in Covington, Louisiana, was the founding member of the then Dixie Maids. They were originally called the Dixie Maids, but only for a couple of days. That was 1954. Let's tell you the cast of characters. Dr. Manoni was the director of bands at uh, Mississippi Southern College at that time. Of course, the Performing Arts Center now on campus is named after Dr. Manoni. Reed Green was the athletic director, and Dr. Cook, who the library is named after, was the president. And Joyce Semeca McHenry was a member of the Kilgore Junior College Rangerettes over in Texas, and she was discovered by Dr. Manoni and Reed Green, and she's on the program with us today at 86 years young. Joyce, good afternoon to you. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, now tell me how you got discovered at Kilgore. Well, uh, at Kil- I was a Kilgore Rangerette, and they were the kind of the pioneers of the dance groups in those days, which was in 1953. Of course, they had been performing before I got there. They're still performing, and they're kind of uh, a patterned. Uh, the Ca- Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders are patterned after them. And I was a rangerette there in 53 and 54, and we were performing at the Senior Bowl game in Mobile, Alabama, January of 1954. And the Mississippi Southern Band also performed at halftime. And Dr. Manoni was USM's band director and was really impressed with the rangerettes. So around June of 1954, I received a call from Dr. Manoni. He had been, uh, he had seen me perform with the Rangerettes there at the Senior Bowl, and uh, he wanted to meet with me to discuss the possibility of starting a group of girls at Mississippi Southern College patterned after the Rangerettes. And you actually, when you, you had to, you had to audition for him essentially, and between Dr. Manoni and Reed Green, they went to Dr. Cook, the president, and said, this, this young lady needs a scholarship, and you were scholarshiped, Yes. Yes, I was. He, uh, Dr. Cook gave me a full scholarship to direct the group. So you were not only a member of the group at that time, but you were kind of the coach as well. And originally there were 16 members. By the end of the first season, you had 30. Where did the, other, where did the original members come from, Miss Joyce, and how did you end up with 30? Well, the original members knew that he was starting this group, and they started to come in for the year, and he auditioned, they auditioned with him. And uh, right after I was, uh, right after I met with Dr. Cook and Dr. Manoni, we went, the band went to New York to a Lions Club convention, and I went with Dr. Manoni to New York at that time, and when we got back, then we started practicing. The girls had started to come in for the year, and we started practicing the, the routine. We mentioned, we mentioned that you're originally called the Dixie Maids. That was just for a couple of days. You actually named them the Dixie Darlings as well. Tell us how that happened. Okay. After the first week of practice, Dr. Minoni called us together on the practice field and asked if we would try to come up with a name for our group. He had called us the Dixie Maze for a few days, but decided he didn't like that name. A day or two later, several of the names were suggested. He narrowed the names down to two. Dixie Dancers 
which Barbara Rhodes had suggested, and my choice was Dixie Darlings. And uh, so then he decided, he made the decision, and he said, we're going to be called the Dixie Darlings. And, and so that's how that happened. And we performed for the first time on the field at the uh, Mississippi Southern Alabama football game, September of 1954. And we won. <laughs> Southern Miss won that game, didn't they, Miss Joy? I'm George? going back 67 years. <laughs> Well, that was about the last time. No, no, that's no, not. Was pretty close to the last time. So, Miss Joyce, I want to ask you this. 67 years, and I've been a long-time alumnus and, and supporter of Southern Miss, and that that group has always been a very dear part of the tradition at the university. And for many of us, it remains a really important part of our tradition. I have to ask you how you felt last year when – when the word started circulating around that there were some powers to be on the campus that wanted that name taken away after 67 years? It hurt me really bad because I felt like if they take that name away, we never were. It would be gone forever. And any name that they chose would be a new group. And a lot of the girls feel the same way. Did you hear from other members of, of uh, the Dixie Darlings, alumni of the Dixie Darlings, when all of that happened? And what were those conversations like? Well, I, I looked at Facebook, and I did see some, and they were very disappointed. And that, that certainly you know stands to reason. And, and one of the biggest fans, Bob, of the Dixie Darlings back then was Pi Van, who was the football yes. coach and actually chewed his team out and brought the Dixie Darlings into the conversation. Fill in some of the blanks there, Miss Joyce. Okay. We were very popular. Everyone was talking about the Dixie Darlings. We got a lot of publicity. And uh, this guy that I was dating was a quarterback on the football team. They hadn't been playing so well at one of the games. So at halftime, Coach Pye, Dan, and Stewart told the team if they didn't shape up and do better, the Dixie Darlings were going to be performing at the game time, and they would be playing at halftime. <laughs> now, you uh, you sort of hung around with that quarterback, did you not? <laughs> I did. I, I married him, and we went off into the Marine Corps for 33 years. Okay. And who was, what was his name, Miss Joyce? Lehman McHenry. He was a colonel in the Marine Corps. And he's, he's a George County boy. A native of, he is from native Loosedale, of, Mississippi. And there we you, go. What a great story. And part of homecoming, which this is homecoming week, of course, is that any Dixie Darling, whatever year they perform, they're always invited to come back and perform with the existing Dixie Darlings. So that's always a, a highlight of the halftime show. But back in that day, 1954, Miss Joyce, it was kind of it was kind of a little bit racy because the Dixie <laughs> Darlings did not wear dresses, right? Right. They, they, yeah, they. You mean they didn't wear pants? They wore dresses. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, those short that that uh, uniform we had was a little risque. <laughs> Back in 1954, uh, in the Southern yeah. tradition. Yes. All right, we've got about two and a half minutes. Get in here, Luke. I want you to have a chance to ask the original Dixie Darling a question. 
We always uh, we always make sure that when when what you don't know is that when we're on sites different places, if Kelly as soon as he hears the Southern Miss fight song, he goes instantly into dancing like a Dixie Darling. Now he's been told by some of the other members that he his elbows are are, are too low. But you know what? Who who came up with the original you know uh, sequence that that we see now and and really how much you know of what we see on the field right now that you've been a part of for so many years was in that first year, first couple years? Well, uh, some of the, you, are you talking about the Alumni Association? I'm talking about the, really what we see on the field as, as regards to you ladies dancing. How many, how much of that was really involved in the first few years of the, uh, of the Dixie Darlings? The routine as it uh, well, is today. D, D Irvine uh, choreographed that routine that we do. And the first time that I went back to perform... I guess I was around 65 years old, and it was a night game. And I, we're standing in line, and I'm ready to go on, and I thought, are you crazy? All these people out here, and you're going to go out and fall flat on your face. But you know what? <laughs> Once that music starts, you feel like you're 18 years old again. <laughs> but, but, Miss Joyce, originally, originally you choreographed the original works I did. that you had to- when, the, when I was there, when I started the Dixie Darlings, I choreographed all the routines. But, and you had we did a Charleston on the field, and we did a ball in the jack, and we did a precision drill because one of his the themes of the show was John Philip Sousa, but, and we did this precision drill. And, and you had to audition those in front of Dr. Minoni, and he would just I kind did. of mouth the yes. music? Every Monday morning, I, we would meet, and uh, he would, uh, you know, I'd do the dance, and he would play the music, and, and that was going to be the show of the week. Hmm. Well, Miss Joyce, unfortunately, we're out of time, but I want to tell you, this has been a real treat to have you on our show. I think you're one of our all-time great guests. and. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's, I enjoyed it. It's been a real joy talking to you. We hope that you're here this weekend. Uh, we would we would love to meet you if the opportunity arises. Thank you so much. All right. Joyce Semeca McHenry. Joyce Semeca McHenry. The original Dixie Darling on Eight, the Eagle Island. 86 years young and wow. still dancing, Bob. What a great lady. We'll be back. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Great hearing about the rich history of the Dixie Darlings and uh, Bob and Kelly. I, I did not feel threatened at all during that. No, I'm not. Uh, I don't feel the least bit intimidated. Do you, Kelly? Not at all, man. What to be to be that spry at 86 years old and remembers those days like it was yesterday. To me, really? is awesome. Really? Yeah, really. I mean, and I and I saw the. The smile on Bob's face when we figured out that Bob was one. You were a toddler. A you toddler. were an infant. I was a toddler. <laughs> when, the, when the Dixie Darlings. I didn't uh, to say this, but my parents were dressing me in Mississippi State stuff. I lived in Starkville. 
Oh, I know some disgusting we all, family pictures. <laughs> we all, uh, <laughs> we all come out of our weaknesses. Anyway, Kelly, did uh, did she ever critique you on on your dance routine? Did you? No. I, I mean, it's one thing to get it from present day people. It's kind of intimidating to get the it from original. the original Dixie Darling. Well, if she's here this weekend, and I'll bet you a dollar to a donut, she'll be here this weekend because she she just loves it. And you could tell, you know, that, that she loves it. Um, I'll have to, at, at Fuzzies, maybe we'll try to track her down. We're doing a remote there uh, for a special two-hour edition of the Eagle Hour this Friday for homecoming. Maybe she'll be there, and, and I'll do it for her there. And I right. will be intimidated then. Well, you, you should be. Hey, guys, uh, appreciate everyone joining us on the Eagle Hour today. Just a reminder, if you, don't, uh, if you can't catch the Eagle Hour live in your area, you can always go on demand or you can, uh, you can listen podcast form, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Eagle Hour is on, on those platforms, and uh, if you can't catch us during the day, you can also, also always catch us on demand or, uh, or, or uh, the podcast is a great way. And, and see, the great thing about the podcast on those platforms is if you don't like you know something that usually it happens when Kelly's talking, and people just like to fast forward through stuff. So easier on a podcast platform than a browser. Is that right, Sander? Are you the? We should take a poll, and I'm afraid to take it because I might be the one that would. Be, it was like who? Who do you not listen to the most? Getty, Sander, or Johnson? I won't put that up. But but Kelly, do you feel like that sometimes? That maybe it's you or it's me. Certainly not Bob because he has the Bob Father voice. But somebody's like, all right, I'm tired of listening to Johnson. Let me fast forward it. Podcasts allow you to do that. Well, all these words you're throwing out, podcast and and Stitcher and all this kind. I was trying. I was just trying to keep track of all those, <laughs> all those fancy words that Stitcher. I don't. Stitcher, yeah, that I Stitcher's don't know. Stitcher's the guy that works in a boxing corner, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. What, that's, that's what right. that is. Yeah. <laughs> hey, a uh, co- couple news and notes, guys. Tennis uh, got off to a good start in the ITA All American Championships in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's the first time the Golden Eagles have qualified for this event since Coach Engineer took over the program in 2013. Eagles got individual wins over. Texas and Oklahoma State, so tennis off uh, again to a good start. Cam Harrell from Southern Miss named the Conference USA Special Teams Player of the Week. Of course, that 95-yard kickoff return against Rice. He ties uh, the school record with seven other Golden Eagles to have two kickoff returns for touchdowns in their career. And then also he recovered the onside kick later in the game. So congratulations uh, to him. Um, Quez Watkins right now on the on the year He's caught 10 of the 14 footballs thrown his way, 219 yards. Hadn't caught a touchdown yet, but, guys, he's leading the NFL, 21.9 yards uh, a catch. And we kind of thought that, you know, with his speed, with his 4-3 speed. And just it'll be interesting to see how the Eagles um, use him going forward. Kelly still uh, – Jamie Collins without a team. Yeah, really, Jamie Collins is, is still has a lot of you know good football left in him. Uh, but he was released by the Detroit Lions, but uh, but has not been picked up, has not been re-signed by by yeah. any other uh, NFL team at this point. So we'll continue to follow that. The news with Quez Watkins doesn't surprise me. I mean, he was a he was a, a change maker, you know, um, at, at Southern Miss, and I'm just glad to see him doing well at the at the. NFL level, and of course, a hundred, one hundred and twenty-one of his two hundred nineteen yards have come after the catch. So, just kind of tells you what what kind of explosive maker he is. Um, switching gears as we close out for the day, you mentioned it earlier with Lee Roberts, but just kind of we can go in just a little more detail here. It looks like UTSA is prepping for conference uh, alignment, and looks like uh, they're they're preparing to be left out, so they're getting ahead of the eight ball and trying to figure out where they're going to land next. And what's going to happen? I mean, if, if nothing changes, what's going to happen is the thread 
that holds Conference USA is starting to unravel. And as you know, when thread starts to unravel, it goes every which direction and has no strength whatsoever. And what's going to happen is this league is just going to disintegrate right before your very eyes. And apparently nobody's doing anything about it at the, at the conference office. Well, there's an old saying, Kelly, you need to get out while the getting's good. That may be applicable right now to Southern Miss and Conference USA. But what is Conference USA doing to make it beneficial to stay? Well, silently, if they're doing anything, they're keeping it on the QT, that's for sure. And in this day and age, you can't keep anything on the QT. No. It's so difficult with social media and everything else, that it's, which leads you to believe that they're doing nothing. They are just sitting by and watching teams pretty much say, first opportunity we get, we're out. Right. All right, on the show tomorrow, I understand we have Mr. Southern Miss. Is that right? That's right. Campbell Cave, a student from Hattiesburg who has recently voted Mr. Southern Miss, will be on the show tomorrow giving us his homecoming perspective. He's a busy guy this week. A remarkable week in that we've had guests on that have accomplished things you and I could never accomplish. We had a man with two master's degrees and now a guy named Mr. Southern Miss. Neither one of those things ever were applicable in our lives, were they? No, and I and, and like Miss Joyce today, I couldn't fit in those shorts and do the strut out there on, on, onto the field either. That's a really pleasant thought. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Mr. Southern Miss and Patrick McGee on the same show tomorrow. What a day. We'll be back tomorrow at 1. Until then, Southern Miss. To the, to top. the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping. Into the future I want to fly like an eagle To the sea Fly like an eagle Let my spirit carry me I want to fly like an eagle Till I'm free Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.